How's everybody doing today? It's fine Sunday. It's a nice day outside. It's good to see everybody. We are continuing through our series on the Ten Commandments. For those who don't know me, I'm John Scott. Uh, Blake mentioned that I was a chaplain. I am a chaplain in the United States Army up at uh, Fort Myer in lovely Arlington, Virginia. And it's definitely my privilege to be here to, to speak with you today. So continuing on in our series, uh, one, one benefit of preaching through a series, through a certain passage of Scripture, or certain books of the Bible, is it, it forces you to study and meditate on and preach on topics that you normally wouldn't cover. And today, we're covering a topic so controversial that not only did Jeff ask me if I could preach this morning, but he left the building. <laughs> he left the building. No, he's, 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 he's preaching at, at another church of a friend of his, so, um, so today it's up to me to, to tackle the fifth commandment. So that's one of the, today is one of those days where you probably normally wouldn't preach on it, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the relationships with our parents. And it so happens we have some parents here visiting the day and everything, so... So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But before we get into today's commandment, I want to take a step back and look at a little bit of context, the context into which God uh, passed along the Ten Commandments to Moses. So we'll be up here on the screen, Exodus chapter 19. Got a few verses here. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. And this is God uh, talking to Moses. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So the Ten Commandments uh, introduce this, this covenant. The Ten Commandments are, are the foundation of God turning Israel into that holy nation. So, so that's the, the Ten Commandments are, are the beginning of that covenant. So although we see it as a list of thou shalt nots and, and things like that, that's really not the, the, the purpose of the Ten Commandments. God is laying a foundation by which he's going to keep this promise with Israel. Uh, so instead of a list of rules, this is God showing Israel that there's an order to things. He's showing Israel that there is an order to things. There's, there's a certain way to live as the people of God. So today, commandment number five, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. There it is. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. Honor your father and mother. So again, God's saying that there is an order to things. And he's, and he's saying that obeying your father and mother is that order. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments overall, there's, there's kind of there's two divisions. Uh, the first four commandments clearly dealing with our relationship to God. Then... The last five commandments dealing clearly with our relationship to each other. So the first four are vertical and the last five are horizontal. And those who are keeping math, even without a calculator, know that that only adds up 
to 9. This commandment here is kind of a transition between the two. It's, it's right, in, right in the middle, although geometrically I understand that 5 is not really necessarily in the middle. It would be like 5.5. But anyway, so it makes sense because this command, although it deals with, with human relationships, it also deals with and influences how we interact with God. That relationship, there's still an authority relationship that this commandment addresses. And that particular relationship is kind of the beginning of our shaping of how we understand God. Obey your father and mother. According to God, this is the proper order order of things. But now, now we have a problem. For those who are visiting for the first time, you may not know this. These curtains here, they serve a dual function. They, they do keep us from seeing the tables and everything on the other side. But on days like today, they also conceal the 800-pound gorilla that if you could look through here is standing right in the corner of the room. So now we've got a problem, and we're like maybe five minutes into the sermon or not even at this point. And that is we don't all have great parents. We hear this and we kind of we bristle up against these commandments anyway. But then if you have that experience, now you're really starting to fight. So I'll give you just a little bit of my backstory. Some of you of you have heard portions and I'll keep this short, but I'm adopted. I was officially adopted, probably legally adopted sometime around age six or seven or something like that. But I was placed into foster care when I was a year and a half old. Uh, My biological mother. She, she abandoned me when I was about 18 months old, um, so then I became a ward of the state of Ohio. I did end up meeting her later in life, and then uh, she broke contact with me again. I don't know who my biological father is. I thought I knew at one point in my life, and then I found out that that, that wasn't the case. So the, at first, the state placed me with uh, my brother. I've got a half-brother. Placed me with him and his dad and his wife. And in in their home, I was hit on the head and on the hands for writing with my left hand. I'm left-handed, and they they didn't see that as as good um, in their eyes. I was made fun of for the color of my skin. They were a little bit lighter than me, so I was was the dark guy in the family. Um, And all of this is probably some type of resentment about an issue with my biological mother that, that I don't know. Like I said, I have a half-brother, so we've got the same mom, so maybe she had an affair. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But for some reason, I was not well-liked. So I was abandoned by my biological mom and never knew my biological father. Then I had two parents who uh, were abusive to me just for who I was. So two-thirds of the legal parental figures that I had in my life were just people that you wouldn't want to have raise you. But all that said, there's a chance that I didn't have it the worst in the room. You know, I I clearly and freely admit that because I was adopted by a great family. Uh, I grew up and was well-educated. My my parents provided for me, and I was well-loved. I came into a family with lots of brothers and sisters, which is a a whole different story. (laughs) So, you know, we had like the Brady Bunch plus some added on in the family that I grew up in. Um, and, I, and I think, I hope, that I turned out okay. Some of you who grew up 
with biological parents may have had to deal with worse situations. You may have had to deal with abusive parents. You may have had to deal with absentee parents. You may have to deal with unbelieving parents who make fun of the fact that, that you or look down on the fact that, that you're trusting in Christ and believing in God. I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and, and apologize for your parents or, or spiritualize that experience today if, if you did have some type of experience like that. But what I will say is that when God was issuing these Ten Commandments, when God issued this particular command, he issued it to a group of not very good parents. The parents that he issued this command to were not, were not very good, and, and they probably didn't deserve, in, in the sense that we look at it, they didn't deserve honor either. In fact, this is a group of, of dead parents walking. When you look at the whole context of Scripture and, and read through the rest of Exodus and, and Numbers and keep going, you, you find out that none of these adults that received this command ever entered the promised land, except for Caleb and Joshua. So let's take a look at Numbers chapter 14. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, shall not come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. This was when they refused to take the promised land. They went in, they saw that it was indeed a land flowing with milk and honey and that it was good, but there were giants there. There were fortified cities there, and uh, they sent the 12 spies, and Caleb and Joshua said, we can take the land. Everybody else spoke against it. So this was the result. These were the adults 20 and over who had received this command. So God issues this command knowing who he's issuing this command to. He knows that the, the, the true children, the children who are under that age, who have parents that are there, he's telling them to honor this group of parents that aren't going to enter the promised land, this group that's going to fail him, that aren't going to follow his commands. But there's no caveat. There's no caveat in there. He just tells them so that you can live long in the land. And let us not get confused and think that somehow that it's, it was easier for Israel to hear these commands, to think that they didn't bump up against it uh, because they had seen all these miracles. It's just as hard for them to hear as it is for us to hear at times today. So, so let's think about it. Let's think about who's receiving this, this command. A couple of weeks from now, we'll see the command, do not covet. But the people of Israel likely grew up coveting the life of the Egyptians when they were in slavery. Here they are, slaves, making bricks, doing all this manual labor for the Egyptians who are living in luxury. So that's not hard. It's not easy to hear. Don't covet your neighbor's wife and donkey and property and all these things because, you know, this, this is my, I've grown up thinking this, thinking only if. God is telling the children to honor parents who had their dignity stripped away all their lives. Again, 
their slaves. God is telling them to to honor parents who lived as slaves and raised their kids to be slaves. So it, it, it is probably and I'm you know, projecting some of my, my own thoughts here, but it's probably difficult. It's probably difficult to honor someone that maybe you look at as, as being afraid, someone who refuses to stand up, but yet God is telling me to honor this person in circumstances, and now we're wandering through the wilderness. Now, I know we've got some, some parents in the room. Think about it. Think about a 40-year road trip with your kids asking you, are we there yet? You know? <laughs> And it's hard to honor somebody when you're wondering, are we there yet? I mean, I've taken much shorter trips, much shorter trips, and, and, and I don't really have are we there yet, kids, but you can kind of tell. So as soon as we were able to afford it on my lieutenant salary, we got the, 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 the pull-down TV so that, so that we could escape some of that. But again, what, what are you guys doing? You know, God is telling us to honor you. What are you doing? We're walking around in this wilderness. So these commands aren't easy for them to hear. Also, these people have seen miracles. Israel's seen miracles, but they don't even know God the way that we know God. This is brand new to them. They just came out of the promised land. We've got the whole Bible, years of works from from theologians, other people, devotionals, all this. Israel didn't have any of that stuff. This is a new relationship to them. They don't know if they can even trust God yet. They feel as if they were an abandoned people. They've been led out into this harsh wilderness. So so what do we do? And the adoption metaphor really works perfect for this. We don't usually talk about this in church. When we talk about adoption, we talk about how it's a reflection of what God does for us. He adopts us into his family. He loves us as a father. And all that is true. But think about it. To be adopted, there has to be a broken relationship first. And it's hard when you come from a broken relationship to trust when you go into a new relationship. So these commandments are not easy for Israel to hear. The less than desirable relationship with our parents or other authority figures is is an unfortunate result of the fact that we live in a fallen world. Nonetheless, there is an order to things. God set an authority structure in place that is bigger than any of our individual shortcomings. His his structure is bigger than that. In an unblemished state, the desire to be under authority and the right execution of that authority point us back to God, who is our ultimate authority figure. God uses the family unit to illustrate how we understand him. That's why it's so important that we, that we uh, internalize this honor, your father and mother. Jesus was the son who did the will of the father. He said, I can only do what I see my father doing. So he was the obedient son. Uh, our fathers and our mothers represent the authority, protection, and love that, that God provides. The father and the mother are also people who who should live and model that living in submission to God. So as as everyone obeys God's God's commands, as everyone lives and seeks after the Spirit, that there is an order to things that helps us to learn and grow. 
But this command sets a, a framework for understanding God's role as a perfect parent. The last song that we sang about God being a good, good father. That's true. It sets the expectation of submission to our parental authorities, whether that's uh, biological parents, adopted parents, um, whether that's parental figures that we're not necessarily related to, uh, but those people who, who structure and, and guide us. It lays out the expectation also for, the, for exercising authority because this command is, is truly about more than honoring your parents. It says honor your mother and father, but there's more to God's order than that. This is a command about honoring authority that God has set in place. In the New Testament, there's a, an expansion uh, of this command. Uh, one of the places that is found is in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And this is Paul writing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. So now we go to the other side of the coin. So before all the parents are kind of elbowing kids and we got extra kids in here today too. fathers. And in the Greek, that can be translated parents as well. But fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with Fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. So there's, there's more there. That's, that's, that's coming from the same God. It's, it's, it's more than just parents. It's more than just following. There's also an obligation in leading as well. And a key component that I'll talk a little bit about later is doing it as unto the Lord. This is how we fight against uh, some of those things that are inside us that want to, that want to say, God, I, I get it, but you got it wrong for me. So here we see that there is an onus on children to honor their parents. There is that, that onus to, to, to follow. But then there's also that onus on the parents to discipline, which is different than punishment, but that's another sermon. I won't get into it, but to teach. That's what discipline is, to teach. To, to teach their children in the ways of the Lord. And all of us have the ultimate obligation to submit to God the father. There is an order to things. And that order doesn't depend on having perfect actors in each step of of the system. This order is the path to God that in faith and submission and obedience that it will lead us to a promised inheritance. Therefore, you have to do it God's way. You have to do it God's way. God says there's an order to things. So, you know, we take that order and then we got to actually follow it. You know, old Nike, just do it. We have to to do it God's way. It's easy to say, sometimes hard to do, but not complicated to at least 
understand. So we're going to talk about three, three ways. There's more, but three ways that we can do it God's way. The first thing that you have to do is you have to change your emotional processes. Change your emotional processes. Now, what an emotional process is, is it's our, uh, our instinctual side, our habitual side of how we interact with the reality, the way things unfold around us. It's our emotional programming that, that determines what we do. It's kind of that first thought. If, if you're having a hard time picturing it, just think a lot of times that's the one that you have to apologize for later. All right. That's, that's the emotional programming. The, the emotional processes which cause us to bristle against the ten, all of the Ten Commandments, and this one in particular uh, is based on a set of programs, and just, just some of those include the thought in, in our heads that you must earn my respect. Even, even to our parents, you must earn my respect. And then I got a little militarism in here. You are your own best career manager. You're your own best career manager. So in the parental relationship, that could be your parents meddling in, in your relationships with significant others. You know, I got this. I got this. Don't, don't, don't worry about it, mom and dad. Submission or dependence is weakness. Submission or dependent is weakness. Again, that's an emotional program. And then one of my, one of my favorite ones for, for church is that as a Christian, we're free of rules. We're, we're free. And, and if we have these rules and we follow them, we're being legalistic or, or pharisaic. We don't want to be like that. We're free to do whatever we want. And having a structure, even something, the Ten Commandments, something else that's in the Bible, if I do that, I've reduced down to, to legalism. Our emotional programs and processes tend to keep us stuck in certain ways of thinking. They lead us to ask questions of the world that don't lead to life-changing answers. So we have to change our emotional processes, but the next thing we need to do is we need to ask different questions. We need to ask a different set of questions. In the current context of giving honor to your parents or authority figures, a lot of times, you and I, but you ask questions such as, is this person worthy of honor? Is this person worthy? God says this, so my first thing is let me run my, my parents through the good parent uh, measures of effectiveness, give them a score, and see where they stack up. Why should I give honor to this person? Have they earned my respect? Is there, is there something in them that says you deserve for me to honor you? Another question is, what, what about the pain this person, this person has caused or the incompetence this person has shown? These are the type of questions that in our, in our fallen state, in our, in our flesh, in our whatever, these are the kind of questions that, that we ask. But the question that you need to ask yourself when approaching this commandment or any of the others, there's only one. How do I honor God? How do I honor God? This is the question that breaks through our fallen emotional programming. This question breaks through our fears, lack of faith, and our disobedience. This question leads to answers with which we can live in a state of joy that transcends our circumstances. 
which leads me to, to the third thing that, that you must do, and that is deal with God. Deal with God. When we see this commandment, honor your father and mother, and we, and we follow our emotional programming and ask some of the old questions, it becomes hard. Not quite impossible, but maybe nearly impossible in some circumstances to, to follow it because we're dealing with who our parents are to us. We're dealing with what they may have done. But we have to deal with God. Things including strong opinions of justice, strong opinions of fairness, and looking to your left and right and seeing what the Joneses are doing. These are the kind of things that that keep us stuck. They keep us stuck. However, Jesus reminds us that all these kinds of details distract from what is necessary. When Jesus came to Martha and Mary's house, Mary was was busy doing a lot of things, getting the house ready. Martha was doing a lot of things, getting the house ready. And, uh, and, And Mary took a different approach. And Martha was upset, so she was like, Jesus, what's the deal? You know, you walk everywhere you go. I know you work hard. You're always out there working. And you, you got Mary chilling. What, what's the deal? And Jesus' answer in Luke chapter 10 um, says it all. Do we have Luke 10? If we don't, I do have it. All right. So I don't know. Maybe it'll come up. Maybe it won't. But Jesus' reply is, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit in Jesus' presence. Mary sat in the presence of God. We can't get bogged down with what we think is important. We, We have to be where God tells us to be and what God has already said is important. So those who have parents that, that they may not deem worthy of honor and respect, you have to look to God. You especially have to deal with God and follow his order of things. And uh, Peter, when he's writing, says as much in 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 and 19. Now this is, this is going to be more authority than parents, but, but it all applies. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. The family, our, our parents, they are certainly a human institution that God put in place. So be subject 
for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Honoring your father, your mother, and other authority figures is about obeying God's voice and keeping God's covenant, as he told Israel right before he issued these commands. It's not a question of the authority earning respect. It's about following God. That's not easy that's not an easy thing to, to swallow. It, it's really not. And I don't pretend like it is, but it's what God is directing us to do. I talked about my, my biological mom um, and, and just a little bit of my story. Well, I will tell you, I spent from as, as long as I, you know, as far back as I can remember that I was able to think about that whole situation. So, you know, I was at least five, probably a little bit younger. I spent that whole time thinking about all of the bad things that if I ever met my biological mom, that I was going to tell her. I mean, I was, I did, I really did. As, as a little kid, little, littler than the, the elementary school kids that stayed in here today, I was thinking about, you know, cussing my mom out, telling her, you're going to tell me exactly why this happened and all of these things. So I was riled up and I was riled up until the day, until the day that my real mom, that's what I call my adopted mom, that my mom told me, hey, your biological mom wants to meet you. I wasn't a Christian, but I think that it was by the grace of God that this thing that I had planned out for at least a decade, because at that point I was in high school, I can't remember if I had my license yet or not, but you know, for 10 years I spent almost every day hating this woman. Um, but somehow, that's, that's not how the meeting went down. It went down a lot, a lot better than that. So I know that it's hard to say, I'm going to ignore what happened to me, and I'm going to still, in some way, because it's going to look different, honor my mother and father. But we have to deal with God when doing this, and we have to do it God's way, because this is a matter of transformation and renewal. It's a matter of being a child of God. So to kind of wrap it up, I just ask you to use your imagination a little bit. Imagine a world in which everyone lived by the Ten Commandments. Imagine a world where everyone obeyed the word of God. Imagine seven billion people on, on this planet submitted to God and living for him. It is, it's hard to believe. It's hard to imagine, especially right now. I'm not going to get into it. You, you know where I could go with, with some of this. Uh, but that's the promise. That is the land of promise, is a land where everyone is submitted to and living by and living for God. Those who inhabit the spiritual promised land right now live in that place. They're already there. And we can bring a little piece of that land to our lives by doing things God's way. God has revealed to us how to live as his people, first through the law and now through the full revelation through Jesus Christ. We have to submit to his authority in order to be his people. The limits that he places on our lives, these, these commandments and others, they are not a list of thou shalt nots. They, they are actually freedom. They give us a place where we can be safe. They give us they give us privilege. In God, we have a purpose, and in God, we have an inheritance. His ways are not our ways. 
But when we step back, when we really step back from that me center and read the different things that God tells us to do, which one of his ways can you say are, are bad for us? Which one of his ways don't you want to follow if you're really looking at the whole, the whole counsel of Scripture? There is an order to things. And we have to do it God's way to live with integrity now and ultimately to live in that land of promise where everyone is submitted to the will of God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Lord, thank you that as the creator of the universe, that you even took time to to speak to the different people, to your prophets, to your your priests, Lord God, to, to your people, that we could know you and know your will, that we could receive your promise. So, Lord, today, help us to follow you. Because with us, things seem impossible, but we know that with you, all things are possible. So, Father, thank you. I pray that by your spirit that we can can take this word, Lord God, and live lives that honor you. And ultimately, Lord God, that we would be able to worship you in that promised land that we know is our inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen.